Back in Ibiza, first edition um, this year back on the island, which is obviously something to be celebrated. So it feels pretty amazing to be back um, with my little feet on the Spanish soil. Did take a little trip um, back from India via the mainland for a couple of weeks, but um, got back here last week. And as always, when I first arrive back on the island, it feels a little bit like a washing machine spin cycle and I'm like a rag doll um, kind of surfing around on the inside and it's taking me a little bit of time to sort of land and fully adjust to being back but um, I must admit it does feel utterly delightful and there's a few things that I have kind of missed over the last few weeks one of which was um, International Women's Day which I really wanted to put out a podcast that I'd recorded about eating disorders and with a psychologist in London but I literally didn't have the wind beneath my wings when the time came to put it out and I decided to do nothing because for me every day is a great day to celebrate being a woman, being alive, being here, um, being surrounded by just some of the most inspiring ladies and supportive women and people that really are there um, in all ways and Ibiza is definitely one of those places where I really feel um, that is the case and more so than actually I would say any other place I've ever lived um, in some ways. So it feels good to be back from that perspective and International Women's Day I was teaching yoga for free on the beach in the morning. I gave a little um, complimentary class. It was actually the first morning I woke up here on the island and I kind of woke up thinking, wow, I just want to go for a walk in nature really and reconnect and um, kind of re-explore this incredible terrain that just makes me so happy when I get up in the morning and go for a wander. So I did get a little walk in the morning and went down and gave a class to a couple of ladies um, down on the beach, which was beautiful. And the other major event... um, wanted to celebrate was the first anniversary of the Reset Rebel podcast which um yeah almost passed me by and I I I sort of I knew it was around about now in March and I wasn't really sure when I put out the very first edition um which of course was with Mr Toby Clark of Walking Ibiza um a whole year has gone by that we've been churning these out. I think 46, this is our 47th episode, so of course, yes, I have missed a few episodes over the course of the last year. Um, but life is busy, and I have been travelling more than I've ever travelled in the last year, um, here, there, and everywhere. So to make a commitment, I think, to put sort of a weekly podcast out and stick to it is a big thing um, for a girl like me. Um, but I think for anyone, like, it's... It's something I get so much pleasure out of, but there are some weeks where I just really don't have enough time. I 
you know, have to make the time to go to record and then I have to make the time to edit and then upload it, find somewhere with decent Wi-Fi, which in India was like hilarious. Um, and actually, I would say, actually, Ibiza is often worse than India in terms of getting a decent connection because all these magical places that are buried up these crazy dirt roads don't have great Wi-Fi. Um, and I'm actually staying at an unbelievable um, villa on the top of the mountain in San Juan for the next month of my life. Um, I got back, as I said, last week, week before that, and um, yeah, just this random job came up on a teacher training, yoga teacher training, which I'm now deeply ensconced um, in, which is amazing. Um, but these things just pop up out of nowhere sometimes. That is Ibiza all over. Expect the unexpected and the magic uh, and the gifts that keep on giving um, here on this island. So. The, everything has changed in my world, essentially, and I'm now um, I'm in it to win it up here in the north of the island on this mountain, which is just absolutely stunning, I'm not going to lie. Um, so I'm really, really happy to be doing that, and it feels good to be um, celebrating a year of the Reset Rebel uh, back in Ibiza, where it all began. Um, and nothing's really changed, really, in terms of the intention this podcast and this summer we are still going to be giving away um freebies and free uh, a couple of free retreat spaces um which i'm going to tell you more about in the coming weeks um but first of all i yeah i'm really 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 honored i think really i suppose to have today's guest on she is a lady that i met must have been about seven years ago now six years ago seven years ago when I first got here um, and I've wanted to get her on the podcast ever since um, I started making these a year ago and I think I met her on a walk with Walking Ibiza so again it feels very apt to have Susie on as today's guest and I ended up teaching her yoga with um, Chris Connors up at Benaras shortly after I met her actually um, which was quite random he's another podcast guest that we've had um, Mr. B-Box, um, creator and meditator. And he and Susie are very close friends. But uh, I haven't even told you her name yet. Susie Pearl is today's guest. <laughs> my, my head is still quite erratic. And um, yeah, getting focused to see before we even record this introduction has been um, a bit of a struggle for the last few days. Um, so I'm not going to start again and re record this introduction for the 50th time. I'm just going to keep talking. And Susie Pearl. Um, it's just an inspiration, basically. She's, a, she's an inspiring woman. I've always been inspired by her work, her books. Um, she wrote The Instructions for Happiness. She's in the middle of writing another book, which she's going to tell us about in the podcast, called The Art of Creativity. Um, and she's got another book coming out with, I believe, um, one of the Hemsley sisters, which she also talks about in today's show. And so she's, she's a prolific author. She's got lots of fascinating things to say. She talks a hell of a lot today in the podcast about the instructions for happiness from a, an entirely different perspective from when she wrote the book, because since then, um, Susie almost left us last year um, when she caught cancer. I was absolutely shocked and stunned. In fact, I can remember where I received the news. And I was up at Ilona's house, um, another son one stunning, magical casa uh, in the hills of the north. And Ilona's husband actually told me. And I was just 
yeah, shocked, shocked and devastated. And I didn't know what, you know, exactly um, the prognosis was or what kind of cancer or how serious it was. But that's um, that's what I was informed at the time. And I was, yeah, very saddened. Um, and then I was just kind of feeding from other people, really, little tidbits of news about how she was and the journey that she was on and how it was going. And I found out that it was actually a brain tumour and everyone was very, very concerned. There's a lot of love for Susie Pearl in Ibiza. There is no uh, doubt about that. She's a very popular lady. She's a very uh, admired lady, I think, for, for the work that she does. But she's just an all-round gorgeous human. Um, and she's very, very loved, which she also talks about in today's podcast, which, um, yeah, it's really, really beautiful to hear her story and how she battled back um, from one of the biggest challenges I I would imagine she's ever had to face Um, and it's totally and utterly changed and transformed her life in a way well you would expect it to Um, and I don't know I just don't I know that I wouldn't have been able to probably deal with it the way that she has done Um, it's obviously sparked more creativity in her than ever before Um, it's certainly made things clear about what it is that she wants to achieve in her life um, and how she's going to get there and that is an amazing gift I suppose to take from such an experience but um, yeah it was just really really amazing to finally catch up with her and hear everything she's been through which is a hell of a lot Um, so she is today's guest on the Reset Rebel podcast and if anyone has reset themselves she definitely qualifies in that department so I feel like we're celebrating um, I wanted to get someone really special on for the one year anniversary of the Reset Rebel podcast and I I couldn't think of anyone I would rather have um, listened to for an hour chatting about life, Ibiza um, and celebrating life celebrating being here on this island and celebrating the people that have supported her and surrounded her and held her, been there for her and um, the kind of methodology I, I suppose that she undertook as we've also heard from Alex, another cancer survivor who was on this podcast also this year that I met in India who also lives in Ibiza and it's you know cancer is a is a beast and it's I guess probably the most terrifying piece of news that most of us can be given in this lifetime and it I guess you know everyone tackles it differently everyone receives that news and interprets it and their way of dealing with it in a completely and utterly different ways and yeah both of these women are inspiring in their own individual ways and um, I'm not going to say anything more except I'm really, really chuffed that Susie agreed to chat to us on today's podcast um, to celebrate the one-year anniversary of The Reset Rebel. We've got some very exciting news. I'm still just crossing off a few little details um, uh, about something that I really want to announce on the podcast, but I, until I've got the final little bits of it in place, I can't, I can't say anything. Um, so that's probably coming next week. Um, and, yeah, it just feels like a great, great, celebratory um, edition of today's podcast and so I hope you enjoy it I'm really grateful again to Susie Pearl for coming on to the show and um, yeah enjoy we'll see you next week don't go away welcome back to the Reset Rebel podcast with me Joe Yule and today we have a very special celebratory edition of the podcast um, it's our year's anniversary it's been an entire well, more than 365 days since we started this podcast. And um, 
I'm very, very delighted to be in the little village of Santa Gertrudis with today's guest. Um, to celebrate life and to celebrate the Reset Rebel, it seems like a very apt addition and guest to have invited uh, to join us. And I'm so, so happy to welcome you to the show, Ms. Susie Pearl. Hi there. Thank you, Joe. It's really nice. Um, I'm very happy to chat and talk to you. No, I'm, well, absolutely over the moon to be here. And um, I've been wanting to get you on this podcast for... God only knows how long now. So it feels, um, yeah, not overdue, but perfect timing. Perfect timing. Everything's right on time, I've discovered. <laughs> I think Yaz actually might have sang a song about that. Or was that the only way it's up? Either way, right on time, one or the other. Maybe that was like a, another band. But, um, you know, you've written the fantastic book that is, of course, The Instructions for Happiness. And that's kind of, you know, one of the things that I would love to touch on at some point during this interview. But you're beavering away on another two titles already. Yeah. Well, another four, actually. One is um, I'm writing a book with Jasmine Hemsley, who's the fantastic food food woman um, doing incredible things with Ayurveda. And uh, she and I have been friends for about 10 years. I've been coaching her um, since she hadn't you know before she wrote anything and then she's written now written um three best-selling books on food and lifestyle and she and I are writing a new book called true you which is about living authentically it's not nothing to do with food and everything to do with how to live your life and it's funny because we were commissioned about a year and a half ago and um uh by the fantastic bluebird books who publish people like Russell Brand and uh um the, it's um, it's a book that we pitched as, uh, you know, we've been learning a lot about life and how to live authentically and in a real way in this stressful world of being busy and this modern kind of like nonstop crazy world that we live in. Um, how do you actually live authentically? So that's what our book is about. And I've had a really mad journey for the last year. I had cancer last year of the brain. Exactly a year ago, I was diagnosed and they said, you've got um, four weeks to live and you you need to start kind of prepping prepping for things and I wrote my last letter to my son and all of these sort of things and no one expected me to be here a year later so I've had a very interesting year and um, one of the things I knew when I got diagnosed was um, I didn't kind of co- correspond with the illness I, I, or I resonate with it I just thought you know that's not going to be my story and I thought my story, you know, I'm a writer, I'm going to write a story about how you heal yourself and inspire others to do so. And um, I set about finding everything I could to to live a life which would allow my body to heal. And I'm happy to tell you that um, I got the all clear in December. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm back in Aviva. Yay! Hooray! <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, it's been a crazy a crazy journey. You know, I had this humongous brain tumour. And then uh, on the first scan, and the second scan I had, um, it had shrunk to the size of a pea. And then the third scan I had in December, it had completely gone. And they said complete remission. So it's quite phenomenal. And I did a lot of tools and things that I learned from living here in Ibiza. And uh, I had an amazing community who got together. It was 40 strong people joined, a, uh, made a WhatsApp group and made this community of people. And I think one of the main amazing things about Ibiza is the, um, is the community. Sounds like someone's doing their hoovering. 
<laughs> you know, it's a beat there. It's like uh, when I'm in India. You know, it's just like never, never a dull moment. <laughs> we'll just roll with the sound of the uh, the dice in the background. So, um, so yeah, I, I got into um, you know heavily into meditation and visualization. I love visualization. I have an idea actually. I'm so sorry. Could we yeah. go upstairs to your office? Is that okay? It's a magical place that you let's took me it, to, to directly before this interview. So we're just going to keep recording and. Um, Go up your beautiful spiral staircase oh, and your magical new home. The sun's shining. And it is a very bright, airy, wonderful glass. Oh, I locked the door. Ah, <laughs> oh, look at this. Out on your wonderful terrace. Okay. So the magical WhatsApp group of 40 people. Yeah, they all came together and created this supportive group. And I got, I got all of my to-do list sorted really fast with all these amazing people who came together and just provided incredible strength and support for me when I got ill. And I was, so I, when I was in hospital, there were people, you know, cooking in my house, painting in my house, sorting out things that I needed to get sorted out. And I was really blown away. And th- there's a few things. One is I never knew that I was loved like I was until mm-hmm. I got ill. And then everyone came together and it was such a powerful declaration of love I was blown away and I could never I can never say again that I'm not loved after what happened you know all these people came together and were amazing and I had food brought to me in hospital because the food as we know in hospital is awful and that's not going to make you well so people were on a rotor to bring me beautiful healthy nourishing foods and um, juices and things like that and I got well you know I went back to England had some treatment there and did a lot of meditation, CBD oil, all the things, dancing, being happy, getting, you know, this amazing group of friends together. And, um, yeah, and, I, and I'm, a, I'm sort of, I'm a miracle, I think, it's fair to say, um, because I got healed from something that they thought was not um, resolvable. Um, more than it wasn't resolvable that I was, they were pretty clear they said to me this is not good news is what we have to tell you and um, you what know. was your feeling when they told you that piece of news I, I mean that's just it. shocking I didn't believe it I just had you know I think we have a sense of our lives inside ourselves we have a sense of intuition about what life is about and I'm I'm a mum you know I've got a son who's who's 19 and I wasn't really ready to go anywhere. You know, I feel very young. Um, I'm, I'm a mum, got a boy to look after. And I just knew I'm not, it's not my time. You know, I've got books to write. I'm writing, uh, you asked me about my books earlier. I'm writing one with Jasmine Hemsley. I'm writing one on creativity. I've interviewed Russell Brand, Paul McCartney, David Lynch on what they believe creativity is about. And, you know, for me, that's about connection to source, connection to the universe and connection to these ideas that are out there that we kind of collect in a way. And a lot of creatives talk about it in those terms. I interviewed um, the singer Katie Tunstall and she spoke about ideas being like clouds. You kind of jump up and grasp them and bring them down. And uh, my other fav- another favourite writer, Elizabeth Gilbert, in her book, Big Magic, she talks about that, you know, reaching up and bringing down the ideas that are just floating by and you almost have to catch them in the wind because if you don't, someone else will. So anyway, I've written a book on creativity, which I'm just finishing and I'm in the middle of now, and a couple of others, one's on creative visualisation and the other one is on intuition. 
all of which I've learned a lot about in this last year. Because there's one thing about when you get challenges in life is that you learn a lot. <laughs> all those lessons that we're here to learn, bam, you can get them in one hit. And um, I think it was the year, for me, it was the year of learning, the year of opening my heart and learning how to let love in and learning how to get help, learning how to ask for help and all these things. And uh, Ibiza helped, you know, living in Ibiza, living this Ibiza lifestyle, which is very different to elsewhere in the world. Um, how is it different? Like, well, how, why, what, how would you define that? Does that have interest? Yeah. Well, it was, it was a huge comparison when I went to England for my treatment. And I lived at my family's house uh, for six, seven, eight months. And, you know, I found I, I, I was really, um, it was really powerful, the differences. For a start, the climate, you know, living in cold weather versus in Ibiza, the skies are blue, today is a bright blue day, the sun shining. Everything feels better when the sun shines. Mm-hmm. The food is higher frequency in the sense of, you know, it's all grown locally. It's bright colours, tomatoes are red and tomatoey. They're not watery and they're not sold in plastic. Well, they are sometimes, but I I buy here organic, eat organic, eat really healthy. And um, I think the consciousness is different here. You know, people talk a different game. People talk high consciousness. They talk about ideas. They don't, they tend not to talk badly about one another and gossip. They tend to be more interested in ideas and music and fun things, you know. If I designed my ideal day, it would be kind of an Ibiza day. It would probably be, you know, having a great juice, hanging out with some mates in a cafe in the sunshine, going for a walk on the beach, going for a dance, meditate, go to a great yoga class and then have a sound bath. (laughs) You know that. And you can do all that here in one day. That's like a weekend for me. So um, I think it's a very special place. And I think it attracts very special people. This place historically has always um, attracted musicians, artists, creatives, writers, songwriters, um, all of these artistic people, dancers, um, poets, and all of this. And is that a coincidence? No. It's the frequency of the island. It's very high frequency. This island is based on... Chris- you know, you, you go up walking in the north and you see the crystal on underfoot. And that is... Um, and a frequency which draws us in and we are on a physical level you know we vibrate to our environment and um, end up being in the frequency of the people that closest to us and around us and I think in Ibiza that frequency is very high Mm. and uh, it seems to attract a lot of like-minded people and you know the conversations you'll hear here are way more positive and uplifting and people talk about um, eco, looking after the planet, plastic, behaving with how we get rid of stuff, uh, packaging. And people are interested, genuinely interested and in making a difference. Virtually, you know, like I just had tea with a friend in, in the square in Santa Catrudis. And she's working on a kid's book about how to teach kids to look after the planet more and what to do with rubbish and stuff like that. Everyone's got a story like this about how to make this world better. You know, we're here for a short time. We have a responsibility. 
And um, I think the people who live in Ibiza have more of an awareness of this than, than many others in the world. And we're also kind of active and we, we join hands on stuff. And I think that the island attracts people who are entrepreneurs and activists um, who are extremely good at getting themselves um, together and uh, energised into creating amazing projects. I mean, there's amazing projects happening here on the island now with organic farming, with um, solutions for plastic in the oceans, with um, eco-sailing boats, all of these things. You know, we are electric cars. You know, we are at the forefront of a lot of the innovations that are going on in the world, worldwide, I think. And we should be very proud of that. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, it doesn't seem to be um, such a high development process going on elsewhere in the world in terms of the kind of awareness of all of that stuff that you've just been talking about the eco kind of warrior syndrome I think that comes with being here and being more connected to the the nature through the very kind of way that we live here and the kind of wonderful vista that I'm experiencing from your office or the fact Mm. that we're talking about the farm to table Mm. food that we get to kind of experience that more earthy Mm. um, sense of connection through our food source and just the environment that we live in it just makes us feel more grounded I think to to being on an actual planet that we care about whereas I think you know you're just much more in a concrete jungle when you're in London or a city or any of those places it's very hard to be in the city I find it extremely hard now I used to live in London for 20 years didn't bat an eyelid now I go back and I really have trouble I have trouble with the traffic getting food that I like to eat that uh, hasn't travelled for miles or or been you know microwaved and blasted in some ways you know I, I I find the city difficult. And I think one of the things about Ibiza, and people talk about it, is the magic of the island. This island feels magical to many people. And I believe it is magical. You know, it's very... Crazy things happen here. Crazy things. You bump into exactly who you're meant to bump into. You have conversations with people that are catalysts for amazing things. And the serendipity and the coincidences that happen here are remarkable. I keep a, a diary of... Um, coincidences and serendipity happenings things that you cannot believe and that's like a million to one that would ever happen and I'm thinking of someone they're walking around the corner or you know someone I know wants to get investment for a project and that investor walks right in and offers it there on the spot the right people always seem to come through here you don't actually have to go anywhere to visit people you tell them you live in Ibiza they come to you you know all my publishing meetings and meetings I have with designers and things they all happen here on the island because no one wants to you know travel to the city they'd all do you want to cut where do you want to do it in London or Paris or Ibiza everyone wants it to come here I wonder why it is I mean I obviously I've looked into this extensively at some point or other but you know the fact that this island sits at such a unique stand point you know during medieval times it attracted a lot of pirate traffic and a lot of kind of um cargo and sh- it's like a shipping lane in between sort of the european network and i feel like that is what has created this kind of um i guess cross cross path uh situation that happens here of like meetings of different people from all over the world because there's such a smorgasbord of people from the international community that end up here and you've got people that are kind of hippies and like you know in a very rustic existence you've got people that are multi 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 millionaires yeah. you know and everybody can be together in one cafe exactly. or one party or it feels yeah, very comfortable on one table you know often you're at a table and you count there's like 20 different nationalities it's a great deal of tolerance 
you can be a hippie or you can be a multimillionaire and you sit together and no one cares no one's impressed with with money or status mm. or designer handbags no one cares and we're all the same and essentially when you get into it when you get into the philosophy of what life is about you realize that actually one of the things is we are all one we are all the same and there is really there's no um basis yeah there's no basis for hierarchy there's no basis for i'm better than you um i've drive a faster car no one here cares frankly (laughs) and i know a lot of multi-millionaires on the island who drive really cranky cars uh, almost as a point, I think, you know, that they don't need, they could buy whatever they like. They don't need to. It's not important. Status doesn't wash here, Does that's for sure. Does not matter. And since I've come back from my illness, I, you know, I've come back to the island, came back to my home after being away almost a year, looked at everything. I was like, wow, you know, I've got all these clothes, all of these things that I had in the city, and none of it means anything. And, and I had a fire very soon after I got back which wiped out the whole of the downstairs of my home and I lost most of the things I own. And I was all right with it. I was cool with that because I realised that after nearly losing my life, when you lose your material stuff, it doesn't matter. In fact, the reverse is true. It frees you up and makes you, yeah, uh, travel lighter and be freer. And I'm definitely better off with a lot less stuff. Um, I feel happier. There's less to manage. There's less to worry about keep it simple you know mm-hmm. is, is is a really good way to go and um in ibiza now there's an emphasis on you know um it has come from this yoga meditation influence where you know it's, it's become an island known for retreats for healthy retreats but it's now extending into the realms of um how to raise your consciousness through the inputs, food, environment, conversations, the people you hang out with and everything. People are beginning, you know, really getting to understand that uh, good living and luxury is to do with, you know, how you feel in your heart. How calm are you? How happy are you? You know, I wrote a book on happiness. It's called Instructions for Happiness. And um, it was everything I, I, I researched happiness for about 10 or 15 years with some brilliant people around the world. And I realized that, you know, it's, it's a choice point. It's something that we can choose. Um, we can choose to, um, we can choose the emotions that we carry through the day. There is nothing to say that we have to feel angry or we have to feel sad or we have to feel happy. Or that we have to respond in um, classical ways to things. You know, you can respond to something. It's like how I've responded to my cancer is I can bless it now. Most people go, oh, God, that must have been really scary and really awful for you. You know what, Joe? It was the best year of my life. I can honestly say that. I resolved my conflicts with the father of my son. My son and his dad started talking for the first time. Our family are really tight unit now. Um, you know, a lot good things came out of it and I learned a lot and I think you know when you learn to bless everything that happens the bumps in the road everything you know you become on that road on that pathway to really understanding what life's about well everything else just seems immaterial and without sounding completely cheesy like love is the key to all of that and those connections through family and bonds through your friendships and relationships that maybe you weren't able to witness in their full 
you know, yeah. spectrum of colour and beauty that they just come alive in the yeah. aftermath of such a close brush with death because, yeah. yeah, as you've just said, all of those people came to your aid and you had no idea that they felt that way about you. No idea. But maybe it was actually glaring you in the face and you couldn't see it before. Yeah, yeah. It's a real surprise. And uh, I definitely had a programme running in my head that I wasn't loved. And I found out... The where did that come from? Well, where did it come from? <laughs> Without oh, delving too deeply into your uh, inner sanctum. Well, I, mean, I had a great childhood, you know, I had a really nice <laughs> mum and dad, so I don't really know where it came from, actually. Um, it was something I made up probably one day. I decided, <laughs> oh, nobody loves me. Um, but even though I kind of knew I was a cool person and I was doing interesting stuff, I don't know, deep down I thought no one's really... I guess I got it too independent, which is a condition that is a problem for our society we've become very independent creatures able and as women able to run our own lives and afford our own situations and so on and 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 often we overdo these things and we come out the other way and cut off you know the, the very things that we want and need which is love and support and human kindness and so i think now we are readjusting we're doing a lot of readjusting in life. We're realising that, you know, having all the money, all the stress, the big jobs, the big cars, the big houses is not it. It's not it. And everyone you speak to who's got those things go, that's not it. You know, I, I've had a celebrity agency in London for many years and dealt with, you know, the kind of A-list people. And I, the first thing, the thing I, how I got into happiness was that I was dealing with these really famous people, top of their game and everything, in music and film, and they weren't happy behind the scenes. They were really unhappy and they didn't have many friends. I thought, wow, I thought they had it all. And actually they didn't. And the missing link really was hum- the human kindness and opening the heart and realising that it's not fame and fortune that's it. It's something very different to that. And I think we're all opening and learning about that now and trying to find our way. And um, the first thing I think I would say to people, you know, when they say to me, what what have you really learned from this year that you've had that's been like a crisis year, I guess? Um, One is I had trust, you know, I trusted that I was looked after and held, and that's proved to be true. And that, um, you know, you can drop into your heart... And when you do that, people really respond and are really kind and will lean in and help. If you go through being independent, not accepting help, not asking for any help, you won't get any. And um, it's quite a lonely place to be. Yep. Amen to that, I have to say. (laughs) That has been my experience in Ibiza, I think. Like, it is a place where you can have all this incredible connection and incredible experience as long as you put the effort in to get yourself out there and ask for it and mm. put yourself in a in a place where you can enjoy uh, and, you know, kind of call that in. But I think there's a lot of people, you know, particularly women, because this island also has, I would say, one of the biggest networks of like single 30-something entrepreneurial women who are fiercely independent mm. and single. Mm. And the one thing I think that probably a lot of people don't know out there is that there's probably less available single men of the same ilk who are in the same place in their life. And I think there is something that calls that kind of woman to this island, it being a Scorpio island, and it's a very female um, energy island. And, you know, they say that, obviously, the goddess of Tanit that looks over this and presides over this island is a female kind of goddess of love that kind of calls, I feel, that kind of people that are maybe needing that 
thing in their life to this island and you know lots of women here talk about oh you're never you're never going to meet someone here you're never going to find that here but actually I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned from being in that space of being here and needing those things and learning that that's all we need to do is ask and drop into our heart and actually understand that that's the one thing we're all calling for because it, it can happen and it is possible it's just knowing and noticing and becoming aware of maybe the fact that you shut down that little part of you somehow that is what's missing it's a feminine island that's for sure and it does attract extraordinary women you know i've met amazing women on this island and they are in general very supportive very smart and very heart wise and a lot of them are talking you know a lot of them aren't in relationships which is interesting in itself <laughs> and uh, you think wow how how that how's that working um and I think expectation is in there of what people are expecting out of relationships and demanding out of relationships now. And um, that's definitely changed over time. It's, and, and also we've, we've expanded our nature and our expectations of what we're looking for. You know, it's no longer about just going out to a club and meeting, seeing someone you like the look of and going, oh, he looks nice. No, actually now people are going, you know what, I want to be connected through my heart and I want to make a, a really kind of proper emotional connection with someone and demand that, um, which seems to me pretty reasonable uh, request. And, you know, we, we've all seen so many that, you know, you, 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 kissing you know kissing a prince or kissing a toad it's better to to be involved with people who get you and appreciate you and love you for who you are you don't have to change you don't have to be the most beautiful woman in the world or the most beautiful man in the world or whatever it's not about that actually it's we're all here busy having a human experience in a body and we're doing the best we can and it's about really tuning and making ourselves able to be able to talk to each other, love each other, understand each other, and be compassionate towards each other and not expect everything to be perfect and be prepared to work on it and uh, learn the lessons. Because, you know, in relationships is where we find out the most about what we need to know and what where our lessons are. And the things that trigger you in relationships are the things that you really need to pay attention to. So it's good to have a look at that. And relationships are, are your guide in a way. You can find out a lot more than you can if you're not in a relationship. But we're all in relationship the whole time with the, with with ourselves, with one another, with the with the earth, with the islands, with each other, with our friends, with our colleagues, the people we work with. You know, everyone. We're in relationship with everyone. I spoke to someone the other day who said. Yeah, yeah, they're this girl I'm sleeping with, but we're not in a relationship. And I just laughed in his face. Yes, you are. You know, you are. Of course, you're in a relationship. Mm. In you're his in head. A, yeah, in his head. He wanted <laughs> in his little own storyboard. But uh, I'm sorry. You know, if you particularly, you know, if you're sexually involved with someone, you're in a relationship, whether you like it or not. And you've got to behave. You know, you've got to behave with the rules. And um, the rules are, from 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 the way I see it, is that. You know, you've got to be, you've got to honour, you've got to honour the other person in any relationship. Otherwise, it's got trouble written all over it. And um, demand it back from others, you know, give it out and demand it back. So there's this sort of equal balance. 
I, you know, it comes down to this authentic thing. I think again that you you mentioned before, and I, you know, being authentic is definitely something that seems to be a lot more socially acceptable these days mm-hmm. than trying to constantly people please and be something we're not and fall into a gap or a space in that relationship to another person where maybe it doesn't feel so natural to reside and I think that's is obviously what's causing all these diseases like mm-hmm. our ability to feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. in something because we're not actually behaving in a way that's authentic to who we really are and I think that you know I don't know I mean I'm also interested as to where you think the what do you think this brain tumour sort of manifested from or where it came from? And you must have had time to probably contemplate that quite deeply. Mm. Well, I was as surprised as anyone because I'm, I don't drink, I don't take drugs, don't smoke. Um, so I was a quite a healthy person and I didn't see it coming. The only reason I knew I had it was because I, I couldn't remember where I parked my car and I kept losing my memory and I literally just lost my mind. I couldn't remember anything. And my neighbour made me go to hospital and get checked and against my <laughs> against my sort of um, best thoughts, I thought, no, I don't need to do that. And I did go. Uh, she made me, she took me and I had a scan and immediately they discovered it. So it was a shock to me to realise that I had it. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, I am not someone who gets that. I don't, I'm, you know, I'm not a I'm not a victim and I'm very healthy and it just came out of nowhere. So um, I think, you know, it took, it would have, I, I'm a very strong person and I've done a lot in my life and I think it would have taken a lot to slow me down and pull me up and make me reassess everything, which is what this thing has done. And it probably needed something that big to to quiet me down and slow me down and, and get me to take a long, hard look at everything. And now I'm back in Ibiza. You know, now I've been given the all clear. And the, the scan showed completely clear where the tumour had been. And so now I've come back to Ibiza... Is that start. even possible? It's just mental. I'm so, so happy for you. It's incredible. Yeah. Well, I, I, I credit, I mean, I did a lot of um, CBD oil. I got some from from Switzerland, which my community of people here organised some the highest sort of quality CBD oil. But that and was it, fun. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, the research on CBD oil for all sorts of things, um, ADT, cancer, um, a whole host, a myriad of things it's great for. And I'm pleased that the legislation is, is now, you know, flexing. And ironically, I was doing a lot of work with the Beckley Foundation and um, the woman there who spent her life dedicated towards getting um, better policies internationally, globally for um, CBD and cybersilin and... Uh, LSD she's done a lot of work on how that's extremely useful in the medical realms and I've used it extensively and I'm living proof that you can shift cancer and even a tumor as big as I had um, which was due to sort of kill me in three weeks if I didn't do anything um, you know it's completely gone now and that was in April and now um, just a few months later I'm clear so um, it's it is quite extraordinary story and I hope that it gives, you know, optimism to those people. I, you know, I, I talk to a lot of people now who've got cancer and tell them my story and give them hope and inspiration, I hope, about self-healing. 
and uh, the power of you know when you go inside and meditate and I did a lot of hypnosis with an amazing woman here called Amanda and um, she did a lot of hypnosis sessions with me and and, um, we set up a control room for my DNA and my white blood cells to be able to manufacture themselves in a way that was powerful and healthy and noticeably when I was having my blood tests all my white blood cell count rebalanced itself as if by magic from the work that I was doing internally and you know for for 10 years before all I've done is read books about the power of the mind I worked with Paul McKenna the hypnotist and Richard Bandler who invented NLP I worked with those guys for 10 years and was in and out of hypnosis and I understood and had read widely about the power of how we think and the power of our emotions and the power of managing our emotions and what we talk about, what we think about, what we feel about, and that that can control the innermost processes of our body. And I'm living proof of that. And I use that to control something as wild as, you know, a massive tumour in my head. And, um, you know, I'm a big believer in that. And... um, how much time were you spending meditating on that? Because that's just unbelievable. I mean, it's yeah. not unbelievable, but yeah. it's yeah. it's incredible. Yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah. And there's been a lot of, um, you know, I'm not the only one who's got a story like this. There are many, many people who documented the power of um, visualizing and meditating and hypnosis. And, I, you know, working with these hypnotists as I did for 10 years, I saw them, you know, make people think they're Marilyn Monroe and be able to sing like that, um, to become a great mathematician when they couldn't add a two and two together. Um, and I saw in my very uh, with my very own eyes, time and time again, mi- apparent miracles happening with hypnosis. People who were addicted to things or had massive phobias of spiders and things and see that, bam, removed instantly with hypnosis. That All my belief systems were set to believe that anything is possible. And so I had that belief system that I could I could nail this. And as I went into the scan scanner, the MRI scanner at the Rosario Hospital in Ibiza, as I was going into the scanner, I had this extremely strong intuition and this voice in my head which said, from a place of truth, you're going to be fine, you're going to get through this, and you're going to inspire people by telling them your story. You're going to have three scans. One's going to be terrible news. The second one is going to be the size of a pea, and the third one is going to go. And that's your storyline. And that was the intuition I got as I went into my first scan. And as I came out of the scan, I told the doctors, and they were sort of smiling at me, thinking, she's nuts, clearly. And um, that ended up being my truth that's exactly how it happened exactly what happened and I'm now being commissioned for a new book uh, I lost my mind which is my story and I'm hoping by telling the story that people will feel like you know there's possibilities out there you might be told one thing by a doctor but don't necessarily you know believe that that's it because it's not you know we have the power to create extraordinary things once we really apply you know our powerful minds to that and and our minds are incredibly powerful and what we say is incredibly powerful and and create you know there there was an amazing woman from Hawaii here last week I went to a couple of her workshops and she was demonstrating using muscle testing the power of when half of the audience in the room threw 
negative thoughts to the subject and the other half threw really positive thoughts to the subject and she muscle tested the strength of the body and when people were thinking bad things about the person who was standing in front of us their their muscles were really weak and when we were all thinking really good things the the muscles of this person were really strong so she was mm. demonstrating in real time how powerful our thoughts are to one another and on one another and about each other and about ourselves you know we 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 affect our our chemistry and um it's now no it's now a thing people know about people no longer say god that that's a crazy suggestion people are accepting it and i think you know quantum medicine as it's called will be becoming more and more of an important thing over the next few years and cbd oil certainly will be used in mainstream medicine and cancer treatment when you say quantum medicine i mean yes. a lot of people aren't going to have a bloody clue no, what that is not. if you want to sure. maybe elaborate on that just yeah, a little yeah, yeah. bit well what i'm talking about i mean quantum physics shows that um brain that the brain wave and thoughts have magnetic um essence to them so what we think about um it, it's quite you know it's a creative process it's creative so if we think about getting ill or blah blah blah, blah we're going to somehow create that because there's like a magnetic quality to the thoughts and science is showing this we're, we're able to show this scientifically now and it's in the realms of quantum science where this is being demonstrated so this kind of healing what we're talking about which is to do with mental mental realms and i must point out that that's the basis of the secret societies the freemasons all the old secret societies the ancient wisdom of the ages that was written on papyrus and the ancient texts was all about when you get to the bottom of it, it's all about your mind and your thoughts are creative and are powerful um that's essentially what it's all about so quantum medicine is about using the power of the mind to uh heal ones to heal yourself and uh, i'm a big big fan of that but this book you've written the art yeah. of creativity where yeah. you've interviewed all these amazing people i mean yeah. what is your definition then of the word creativity yeah um creativity is a way of combining ideas and having flexibility of thinking to produce something that's unexpected in a way and there are so many different form, art forms and i th- also think that creativity is um it's part of the human condition and we're all essentially i believe we're all creative and just thinking makes us creative you know we can think about things in different ways we can uh, channel our powers of like a lot of my writing is channeling you know i i'm getting that information given to me is dropping in and my little fingers are typing really fast while this information's bam 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 and sometimes it's information i didn't even know about and i can check it out again later and it's backed up somewhere and like wow okay i didn't know that so it almost doesn't belong to us it's like ideas that float around that we have the opportunity to grab if we wish and of course you know the great creatives leonardo da vinci and people like this you know great artists of our time they there's no coincidence you know a lot of them were involved in these secret societies which were about mind power and uh, leonardo da vinci is a good example of that um and there are many many examples of that um so i think creativity is very much linked to mind power for me 
And is that something that you feel that you need to tap into? Are we born with it? Is it a linear structure? Is it a non-linear? Is it something that's just like on the back burner until you bring it to the forefront? How do you kind of find that kind of, um, I guess, neural network into bringing that out of yourself? Mm. It's a really good question. And you've got to buy my book to find out. <laughs> I'm, I'm all over it. <laughs> no, it's like there's there's a lot of things you can do to tap into creativity and find more of it um and you know living a spiritual life is really helpful going for walks meditating and uh allowing yourself and busting the belief systems like i can't paint i can't play music all this sort of thing i mean some great examples were when we were teaching neuro-linguistic programming which is a great field of psychology and i worked with dr richard bandler who invented it and I worked with him for 10 years and, and in his seminars he asks in the audience those who have no musical ability to stand up and they're invited to the front and he gives them half an hour of hyp- hypnosis and sets up these constructs in their mind's eye that they are brilliant musicians and can sing and can dance and can songwrite and within half an hour these people who've, who've said themselves they haven't got a musical ounce in them are jamming and performing incredible songs like you've never seen and I was blown away when I saw this I thought, wow mm. these are people who say I can't paint or I can't you know another guy said he couldn't paint and he was given a hypnosis session and an hour later produced a painting that was sold in the lunch break for five grand it was so amazing and um, you know we can do it we've got that ability because it's not us it's something that comes through us it doesn't belong to us you know I'm a writer, but, you know, writing doesn't belong to me. I, I, I can access it. I can access the stream of where it comes from. And that's all we're talking about is accessing a stream. I did a wonderful interview with, with Russell Brand um, recently, and he talked a lot about creativity and what it's about. And he talked about the fact that it's a stream and you access it and you can, you know, open up your your mental airwaves to it and what is helpful is things like kundalini yoga things like meditation things like walking and um hanging out also with other creatives because then you you kind of rift off each other and um i had this great interview with him and he was telling me all about it's like wow this is fantastic information and um and then at the end of the interview and the next day i went to write it all up and i pressed play on my um recording machine and I hadn't pressed the record button properly and I didn't get any of the interview so I only got like snippets of what I remember from it um which is really disappointing but um you know it brings me back to kind of like well creativity is about just taking those ideas not necessarily verbatim exactly as he said but getting an essence of what he said and getting the energy of what he said and converting in to what that means to me or to you or to anyone else for your own sense of creativity because one thing about creativity is it's not the same for anyone else you know it it, it is different in all in all people how it presents itself and what it is and that's the brilliant thing about it is that there is no you know one take it's um you know as human beings there are a gazillion different versions of what creativity is I think I think it's two things as well, though, because I mean, like for example, when I was a child, you know, I didn't know that I 
it sounds like I'm picking myself up now but you know I didn't know that I also felt like I you know had an ability to write and express myself and tell stories and you know I always wanted to be a journalist but that was only because at school you know a teacher picked up on that and encouraged that side of me so you need a catalyst but you need someone to believe you know if you don't have that on board already that that this part of you is is there it's it's already part of your software yeah. and I think Sometimes, yeah, it's either a catalyst or just an event in your mm. life where you meet someone that brings out that part of you that you didn't even know existed. Mm. So, yeah, absolutely yeah. is something, a stream that's yeah. in there somewhere. I don't but think you're born necessarily born a writer or an artist. Although I've worked with a lot of art, great music artists, for example, and a lot of them do know. Like Michael Jackson I worked with a lot, and he always what? knew. Yeah, you work with Michael yeah, Jackson. Yeah, I've had an amazing no life. Yeah, yeah. I worked, I worked for MTV for six years. My first job was to go out to New York and do the radio Radio City and do the Video Music Awards. And I was told my first job was to look after Michael Jackson during the time. So that's what I did. And you know, there was absolute clarity there from when he was a young boy, and I spent a lot of time with him in the end. From you know that he was a he was a star he was an artist and he was a star and that's all he was going to be he knew he knew and that's the story of many great um he great knew artists. or he believed that's that's a question both, i'd love to know both you know he had a great belief system and you know also very um attention to detail a uh, perfection aspect um but you know to write songs as good as that and other songwriters that i've worked with madonna and stuff like that they all have a very strong sense of self and a very strong sense of their own abilities. There's not a lot of lack of confidence there. So um, that's another thing is how confident you are about your own abilities. And having um, decent self-esteem is really important, I think, um, to be able to conjure up and maximise what you've got inside yourself. Um and for some people, I spoke to Paul McCartney about songwriting, and he told me when he was in India with Maharishi, and he was they were the Beatles were learning um, TM meditation, and he'd just started meditation. He'd been given his mantra by Maharishi, and during that time in India, he was having really deep dreams. It was very hot anyway, you know, and. Uh, such a cultural change for them and they were staying there and he would wake up with one of his most famous songs was fully formed in his head and all he had to do was reach for a piece of paper and write it down and I hear this a lot from people you know they get they get ideas fully formed and they just have to capture them and write them down and it seems like they come in whole when they drop it into someone's psyche, they come in whole and complete. And that's quite a familiar thing. And a lot of songwriters talk about that, um, that that's how they get the words. So it's almost like it's not, again, I would say it's not from them as such. It's more being able to grasp an idea as it, as it bounces across the universe. You kind of jump up and get it and bring it in and write it down that's the most important thing is writing it down actually doing it or doing the picture mm. making the song writing down the poem creating the artwork just do it is what I would say do you have set hours that you work are you no. kind of militant about it or is it no. you just wake up in the morning you start free flowing or do you actually uh, yeah just do it when the fancy takes you when the creativity blows in because I often 
feel like I'm in a real creative flow, but I've got to go to the doctors or something. And I'm like, no, I can't, I can't go to the doctors right now. I really need to get X, Y, and Z done because I've not felt the urge or the capacity to be able to, you know, tap into whatever it was that I wanted to do, but I just mm. wasn't in the mood for it. Mm. So it must happen to you all the time. Is it something that just sporadically pops up and you go, right, I'm going to capitalise on the next mm. however many hours and cancel everything in the diary? Well, like, if I'm writing a book, I get into it and that's all I want to do is just go keep writing. And it's the flow. You know, we talk about creativity as a flow, and it is. It's a flow. And um, for me, it's getting getting in the flow is is the tough thing. You know, and like after I had a, a big period of time off writing when I was ill, getting back in was quite tricky. But I got home and I started writing. I decided I was going to do like try and do a chapter a day, and I just sat at my computer and I decided that's what I was going to do. And I just started writing, and it was like. It wrote me, and I enjoyed the time it was taking, and I enjoyed uh, that for me was time well spent, and I loved it. I love it. So it's not like a chore, and I love doing it. And uh, feels nice, and highly connective. And I think when things feel good, you know, and they're good for you, and they feel good, that's when you get in the flow. You know, is flow and feel feeling good go together. So I don't have specific times, but obviously I have, I have, uh, you know, I do a lot of stuff. I do more stuff than writing books. You know, I coach people around the world. I do a lot of um, film directors in LA who seem to love my work and tell their friends. So it's it's very much in that film industry world. And they really get what I do because I do a lot of kind of downloads of programs and kicking out old belief systems that, that hold people back and all this sort of thing. And, um, so I do that and that's all scheduled in the diary so I have to show up at 5pm which is 9am LA or whatever to do that piece of work that we've agreed so there are fixed things in the diary that I have to attend to which kind of get in the way of the flow sometimes but you have to make a living and you know one thing pays the bills Um, you know being a writer is fine and you know now I'm doing well but in the early days of being a writer you're not going to get rich or, or be able to you know really get good money necessarily writing um you know it takes time so um you kind of have to grab the time when you can and then do the worky stuff in between but what I did find is it's a different headspace you know when I'm doing like if I'm doing corporate work or talking to companies how to get their you know creativity out of their people who are working for them when if I'm doing like talks and and holding the space and and all that sort of thing it's one part of my brain very different part of my brain to the one that comes up with storylines and being able to construct a really good um copy copy for books and things so yeah it's almost like a different compartment in my head so I try not to mix them up too much um but it's good I think you know it's good to get in a rhythm it's good to if you want to be artistic and have creative output you've got to show up you've got to put the time in get good tools you know I have like a big iMac I love working on a big screen. I've got my own writing studio that's that's nice and comfortable and that's with a nice view and you know um it, it's you know it's get rid of clutter, get rid of all the admin, take it all off your desk. I love the idea of putting admin in a big envelope and looking at it maybe once a week or once a month better. Or deal with it when you have to or, or make a diary note and you don't have to do it all at once because that gets in the way of creativity. 
you know don't do it just hold it and keep it and do it in one hit when you've got time when you give yourself time so i'm i um i love kind of scheduling time for my creativity and then hope that the muse arrives the other thing is i what when i work with um i work with madonna for example she had two secretaries and every half hour of the day was scheduled I couldn't believe it when I started working. I was like, whoa! So, should we do that about 9.30? It's like, well, no, 9.30 to 10, we have yoga, 10, we have... Yeah, it was that level. For someone so um, prolific, you realise how they managed to be that prolific because they've divided up their day and they have someone taking care of their day, scheduling their day, and she was scheduling to every half hour. So that involved, you know, that gets a lot done. Was there the capacity to overrun that if something was going well in some department? Yeah, kind of, yeah. And, and you know, these people are smart and they work with the best in the business. And you know that if you're doing something creative, you know, songwriting or in the studio, it's going to take a lot longer than you think. But if you want to do a yoga class and you want to do this and you want to do that and you want to have meetings and so on, you know, if, if you're scheduling quite tightly, you know, you can get a lot done. So it was quite impressive at the time. But now I realise, you know, that, that, isn't that would never work in Ibiza. <laughs> no. But it's good to have a bit of a plan. You know, it's good to... I always say the best plan is no plan. I'm sure well, there's a lot of people out there that would disagree with that. Yeah, yeah. I got I mean, that off of um, George from Nightwares on Wax. We yeah. we came to the, the conclusion that that was the best way to be. Because I think yeah. when you go up on stage, for example, yeah. to deliver something, like I was doing something at festival on the main stage and I had designed this big sequence of flow because I was terrified about doing it. I was yeah. absolutely pooping my pants. And he was just like, don't don't have a plan, because when the plan doesn't go according to plan, and of course, I got up there, the music didn't play, and there was someone sound-checking a band while I was teaching this class, and I just, I have no idea what happened really when I was up there, to be fair, I've seen a video of it, and it looked like it went okay, but it was like an out-of-body experience, and it just happened, and I think none of the plans that I had in place happened, they just, you know, the, the thing unfolded just the way it was supposed to have been. Yeah, and that's trusting it. Trusting you, trusting the situation, mm. trusting it to unfold the way it's meant to. But I mean, I've got, I've got the utmost respect for George. I love his music. And actually, he was the guy, he was the one I listened to. It was music from the island I listened to when I was in hospital to give me inspiration mm. and a feeling of like, I'm going to get the hell out of here <laughs> and I'm going to be back in my island. It's like sunshine in a, in a bottle and just totally. pure happiness. God, like, I used oh. to have him on, on my playlist yeah. and every time I was having horrible things done to myself, I'd stick nightmares on wax and it made it all okay but now I've got an anchor trigger when I hear it it's like ah it takes me right back mm. but you know George is amazing and he's a great artist of, of our time and his music and his lyrics and his vibe is, is wonderful mm. and um, you know he's very he is very healing his music actually <clears throat> and um, he's a very wise soul is George mm. and um, but I, I don't believe that there's no plan you know like People like him and other people um, have uh, who are at the top of their game. I think you know they do have a plan. They have a vision. I mean, the, one commonality of very successful people is they vision. They have a vision of what it's going to look like, what it's going to feel like, and yeah, they plan to that vision. And um, I think that's a very powerful thing of manifesting. And like it's the place I'm living now, which is a beautiful place in Santa Gertrudis. I visioned this before it appeared. You know, I wanted a, a really nice place right in the centre, with a nice roof terrace, beautiful views, and and it's got all of those things. And and that came to me. I just looked at one place, and it was this uh, when I was looking somewhere to live, 
because my house was inhabitable, uninhabitable. And um, so I think, you know, a vision leads, precedes the manifestation. So vision well and vision powerfully and, and put good emotion with it, good, good feelings with it. And that is one of the mechanisms for, you know, really good reality creation. Again, George talks a lot about reality creation. And it is, it's a thing. It's a thing that we, we do and we create moment by moment in the way that we think and the, the way that we feel. And um, I, a lot of the creative artists that I've worked with have been very good at planning and visioning. And they are vision makers. Mm. And they see things, you know, they see things as visions and then create it here on the material plane as, as it were I've always thought vision boards were the most hippie load of nonsense really until I started making them when I got to the island and then they just they, they just work, work. it's they just totally that work. simple if you see something every single day when you get out of bed and it's on your wall that is manifestation and I, I really never really thought that that was necessarily true and also when you're saying about this you know visualisation the power of it like when I was in my teacher training for, for yoga the second one there was a, a piece of literature that we were given about how just imagine you're lying in bed and you just envisioned yourself doing yoga like actually mm. the effect on your body were just as powerful as actually having done the yoga class so I was like mm, that sounds like a great way to just imagine myself in the gym for two hours every day with to get a body like you know Claudia if, Schiffer but you know I there is if, a, if we knew the truth mm. which is the brain doesn't know the difference between actuality and imagined mm. and I learned this in neuro-linguistic programming as well is that what you what your body imagine, what your mind imagines, uh, the mind takes as as actually happening. So you have to hallucinate and imagine really good stuff. And I imagine myself getting well. I imagine my tumor shrinking and disappearing, and it did, which mm. is the counter of everything the medics said would happen. I mean, sure, mm. medicine helped too, but um, visualization was a big part of that, and we should not underestimate it. And and culturally and in society we're taught to poo-poo the power of visualization but one of the greatest books i've ever read is by shakti Gwain, and i wish i'd written it and as i was reading it i had shivers through my body it's called creative visualization and it was written i think it's in the 50s she's an american woman she's written a few really great books um all of which i'm attempting to do modern versions of i'm doing a modern version of her book creative visualization and another book she did on intuition which is a gorgeous book it's absolutely fantastic book um and one of the most powerful books i've ever read uh well both of them actually and um you know we're not taught to give it much credit in our society which we're much more impressed by you know concrete material scientific but actually when you get into the metaphysical and the psychological and the energetics that's where the real stuff is happening as einstein said you know he knew and tesla particularly said if you want to understand the universe look in terms of frequency and vibration nothing is more true and all the old writers wattles and wattles and wattles and and think and grow rich book which is an awesome book it's all about the power of visualization in the mind and i think if we if we believed in it more um we would understand that we have immense power to create incredible things i mean i've created a miracle in my own life and i'm happy to talk about it and share it because i wish that you know if only one other person gets the 
sense of like they can heal themselves and job done you know job well done and I think that's why it's been given to this storyline with this very heavy storyline was given to me because I'm a writer and I can write about it and you know I've got a book coming out about it so I feel very blessed because it's a true story and it's a bit of a miracle well you look like a bloody miracle basically (laughs) sitting here I'm just like wow I'm like my mind is actually quite blown having listened to all of that stuff and um give me a lot more inspiration to get on my mat and meditate every day and um and manifest and visualize and yeah amazing Susie thank you so much I yeah I'm really 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 delighted to have made an hour of uh your time or infused myself with an hour of your experience it's been um it's been incredible to have you here to celebrate life yeah on this um one year anniversary show and I wanted to put something out amazing uh on international women's day and I, I didn't actually i recorded something that will come out later on in the series about um eating disorders actually for women but i thought actually <laughs> i'd prefer to put something a lot more positive out to celebrate that and um this feels like the exact kind of conversation that um lends itself to that idea so thank you for joining us here in your wonderful writing me. studio thank you for having in me. santa Gertrudis. yay <laughs> thanks joe it's the reset rebel. It's the reset rebel. It's the reset rebel. Coming to you every day. So thank you so much for listening to today's edition of the Reset Rebel podcast with me, Joe Yule. And I just wanted to mention uh, before we sign off uh, from today's show, I will be um, actually in London um, this week uh, talking at the HBC Wellness Summit, um, which is a bloggers conference um, in East London. Um, lots and lots and lots of wealth, uh, wealth. Oh, I suppose health is wealth. <laughs> health writers coming together to um, share their knowledge, their um, working ethics, and tips and insider kind of um, experience, I guess, with one another. Um, and I'm going to be actually a guest speaker on a podcast panel, um, talking about if it's the right time to start your own series, um, which is exciting. And very, very nerve-wracking. I've never been a guest panellist on a podcast panel before, um, but I did used to work at BBC Radio. And actually, um, very jammily and interestingly, I managed to get my ex-boss of BBC Six Music, Mike Hansen, who actually hired me to work at BBC Six Music onto the panel with me because he's actually just left the BBC, which is... um, uncanny timing uh, to set up his own podcast production company so the two of us are going to be talking about podcasting um, at that wellness summit and it would be um, super cool if any of you fancy coming to join us and um, to take part in that if you are in London um, drop us a line to just the good news please at gmail.com and I will send you um, a little bit of information about how to get a ticket for that there is a discount code for anyone listening to this podcast and it'd be really amazing to see you there I also I mean the reason I've been invited onto the podcast panel is because I also run Reset Rebel Productions and I I don't really talk about this uh, on this podcast but I am going to today I have set up this production company and if you are a wellness expert or you have a big business or a brand I've been making podcasts for years for 
likes of Smirnoff, their Experience music series all over the world, um, the San Miguel Hidden Depth series um, all over the UK. Um, I've made podcasts for the BBC. I also obviously make this one uh, and a few other ones in Ibiza, one for Walking Ibiza. Um, and I'm just getting a little client base together here. So I am looking to work with a few more select business or brands um, across the course of the summer. So if this sings to you, this little message at the end of this podcast, or you know a business or brand that might be interested in getting involved, let me know. Um, I'd love to hear from you and we'd love to send you a little quote. And the magical thing about all of this is that I can go to London or, I mean, I was recently in Paris recording series for another client actually over there uh, at the end of last year but it is quite cheap at this time of year um, before the summer kicks off before the end of May I would say to come here and stay in a, in a hotel out of season and use this amazing studio that I've been working with here um, who have binaural uh, recording facilities one of the only state-of-the-art recording facilities in Europe um, to put your podcast together so we can either do it there or we can do it on a handheld um, recording device here on the island with you um, out and about at different places across the island if that appeals to you if there's guests here that you'd like to interview will you bring your guest or co-host with you whatever it's going to be there's lots of ways and um, interesting sort of theatrical productive techniques that we can use I call the theatre of radio um, to just make your podcast a little bit more interesting it doesn't have to be in a studio it could be I don't know at the top of a big wheel like um, you know there's just so many different places to record that is the beauty of audio getting creative getting out there recording um, on the go and in lots of different locations for me is always the fun part of making the Reset Rebel podcast. So today we're in San Juan. I'm sitting on the side of a mountain, just snuck away from the house. Um, and I'm going to go and put this together. So I hope you enjoyed listening. Get in touch on just the good news, please, at gmail.com or joe at resetrebelproductions.com. Um, we'd love to hear from you. See you next week. And when they took the tumor out, it was flowering. Flowering